Okay, we're gonna get going because it's right at 11. And I had oral surgery a couple days ago and I just remedicated, nothing hard. Um, <laughs> so if I kind of like slur my words or anything, it's because I have like two gaping holes in my mouth and talking is a little difficult right now, but we're gonna get through this. So um, I'm just gonna pray real quick and then we'll get straight into it because uh, I do not think one 45 minute long class is enough to talk about emotional stability. I feel like it should be its own retreat. So I'm gonna do my very best to fly through this. So a little like unconventional, I'm gonna pray at the beginning and the end myself, but it's all good. Um, all right, dear Heavenly Father, I just wanna thank you for allowing us to be here. Um, this is one of my favorite slash least favorite things to talk about, but also um, I feel um, incredibly blessed to have found a relationship with you during my college years because I uh, wholeheartedly know with where I was heading in my natural disposition and my upbringing that I was, uh, I was in for a very difficult road when it came to my emotions. And although it'll still be a struggle that I will have to uh, repent and change and grow from for the rest of my life because of your word and because of a relationship with you and your church, um, my life has been greatly changed. So I just pray this morning um, as I talk through uh, swollenness and a little bit of pain that, um, that my words will just be um, what you what you want, God, that you'll speak through me and that you'll allow us to just have really soft hearts that are changed and mold. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so um, anyone who is close to me knows that I am a very avid TikToker. And one reason I really like it is because I feel like you can very much so curate it for your, um, for your interests and, and your, uh, you know, your desires and your things like that. So I feel like for the most part, that is very much so true with me. But every once in a while, I will get on emotionally unstable slash anxiety slash, um, I don't even know what all the different words are, the, that side where it's like, hey, I am crazy. And, and it's probably because sometimes I go down a deep dive of cheater talk and those people are legit, like from a cut from a different cloth. But um, that's one thing that our culture has really done is it has made emotionally unstable a trend a character trait sometimes it's a joke sometimes it becomes our entire identity it's not like this is a struggle that i have or this is you know something that i have that i need to work on it it can become our entire identity i am i am truly just blown away sometimes by the identity of being an anxious person you know and looking at it in a way like this is who i am i'm i'm i am anxiety you know and i will get like i if you go down any kind of rabbit hole on any platform at all you will see that this is a it's a trend um, <laughs> um but i want to ask yourself i want you to ask yourself what area of life is uh unstable um, in any way, shape, or form, passable or sustainable. So let's think about this. Right now, if you were to fly home, say you had to fly home, and you had the option between going on a plane that was labeled unstable, or you had the option of flying on a plane that like, this is a steady plane, it, it knows what it's doing, it doesn't have any problems. How many of you would be like, you know what, let's throw, let's throw some fun in the mix, I'll take the unstable one. I'll take the one that maybe the engine's gonna go 
maybe, you know, the wings will not work today. You know, we wouldn't. Um, I'm getting ready to go on a cruise straight from here. Um, you know, I think we've all seen enough <laughs> movies, we whatever. If they were to be like, your cruise ship is incredibly um, unstable. Um, you can either move to a stable one, or we can reschedule, or you know what? Throw the dice, let's see how it goes. Maybe it'll be a fun time. Not me. I'm not getting on a, I'm not getting on a cruise boat. I've seen Titanic. I was in high school when it came out. I saw it many times. That ain't, that ain't happening. I'm not getting on a boat that's unstable. Um, how many of you guys will go to like, you know, you're in line, you pay all this money to go to a Disney or, I mean, this, this pretty much sums up Six Flags if you're from St. Louis. 90% uh, of the time, the rides are shut down. And they're like, it's not really working right now, but we're gonna have it up in five minutes. And I'm like, eh, no. Because no, if you were like, hey, you wanna ride this roller coaster? It's incredibly unstable. Like, missing bolts, missing things. It swerves back and forth. Would you go up in a, um, in a building? If the, if the city came down and said, we deem this building, and they put a giant sign, as unstable. How many of you guys are like, I'm riding that elevator. Now, there are probably a couple of you that are like, yeah, sounds like a good time. But when push comes to shove, if you had the choice to live, yeah, it might be fun, maybe crazy. You know, that's why sometimes we do roller coasters. We do something. It's a little fun to go a little crazy. But how many of you guys would want to live there? It's not sustainable. You know, we'll be like, oh, I'm mentally unstable. I'm emotionally unstable. If you're in a dating relationship, oh, being emotionally unstable is kind of fun for a few minutes for them. She's kind of crazy. Have you guys seen the crazy hot scale that that man did? <laughs> if you're my age, you've seen it. The guy's like, in order to be this crazy, you have to be this hot. Because it's funny and it's a good time. Until guess what, it's not. Because nobody wants to be married to a mentally or emotionally unstable woman. You know, how many of you guys are like, you know who I'm gonna pick for my lifelong friend? That girl that I never know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> one, minute, one minute we're good, the next minute I've done something wrong and I don't know what, I'm always guessing and there's no stability there in our friendship. You know, and I'm gonna clarify this a little bit further down because I think sometimes we can, we can swing, the pendulum can swing one direction or the other and I am somebody who has been there. When I first came around, I was 17 years old. I mean, emotional instability, cried at the drop of a hat, so insecure, everything offended me, everything brought me down. The smallest inconvenience was a crisis. And then I went through a period of time where I got a little bit older and I said, I don't wanna be that anymore. So I swung the pendulum the other way and I numbed. And there was no, there was no tears. It, I wasn't sad at the appropriate times. I felt a lot of anger and bitterness. And for some of us, we can think, I'm doing really well because I'm not that. But when you look at like a biblical sense of stability, it's not one direction. It's not one side or the other. It's much more in the middle. So, um, and just one thing I just, um, well, first of all, let's, let's define instability. A tendency to an unpredictable behavior or erratic changes in mood. I know, like I said, it's like, haha, women, erratic moods, like women are emotional, you know, blah, blah. We are. I truly believe that God designed us to be emotional creatures. And I think that is truly a blessing from God. When you look at how he said he made man and then he made woman and he made them, you know, this and this that way. If you go back through and you look at the different things that make up a good quality of a woman, they include the emotions. 
there is a, a love that I can tell you from birthing three children of my own, there needs to be deep emotion involved with raising children. Um, I believe that God, when God said, the older women are to teach the younger women, you know, how to handle their home and their family and to control themselves. He knew that we were, he made us, he bred us differently. And a big part of that is because we can help each other navigate those roles of, of emotions. However, the problem is, and we all know this, because as much as we can say it, we don't like it within ourselves. We don't like it when it's unpredictable or it's erratic. Um, according to the CDC, from 2019 to 2021, the percentage of women that have been medicated or treated for emotional and mental illnesses has, or issues has went from 23.8% to 28.6%. So what that's telling us is that it's not getting better. We talk about this stuff more than we have ever, ever talked about it. We, it is everywhere, it's not a secret, it's not whatever, but yet, even though medication has got, gone through the roof, even though, you know, like I said, we, it's more, um, it's more well known, it's, uh, the awareness is more there, it's still not getting better. And I wholeheartedly and firmly believe, not only based on God's word, but because I have seen it happen in my own personal life, that is because we are not doing it God's way. Um, and one of the, and so we're going to look at a few scriptures, and then we're going to look at a few things um, that can kind of allow our emotional instability to rob the, that dream that we have. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is James 1, 2, 3. It says, my brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy. That right there, not the predominant emotion that I feel when I feel full of trouble, right? What's our number one excuse when we're, overly emotional or upset or whatever it's usually i know for me well this and this and this happened well you don't know what all i'm dealing with but the bible right then and there states when you have many kind of troubles you should be full of joy because you know these troubles test your faith and this will give you patience that is not another thing that i would like my emotional capacity i would like it to be but in the middle of the emotional instability Patience is the last thing that I am thinking of. I'm not thinking, man, God has given me an opportunity to be patient. I know most of you in here are not boy moms. I'm a boy mom, and I firmly believe that God giving me multiple boys was his way of saying, this is how you will be become more patient. I have deemed the year of 2023 as the year of Hannah being unbothered. Why? Because I only have two teenage boys living in my home right now and I can be bothered by literally everything. They eat ramen 24-7, and then they shove their forks in the couch when they're done. There's those little stinking silver packets all over my house. There's cayenne pepper everywhere. That's just one meal, guys, that I could break out in hives about, and I have. I've lost it, I've screamed, I've yelled, I've very angrily washed dishes, and then been like, oh, that was so hard, wasn't it? Like, I'm telling you guys, I'm like, this is the year that Hannah's gonna work. And when I say the year of Hannah being unbothered, what I really mean is, this is the year Hannah's gotta get a grip on her patience, because one of the reasons why I had to get two teeth pulled, I had four different people coming in and be like, so we need to talk about your stress level. You're grinding your teeth down to literally nothing in the back and you almost have no bone left, like just a thin layer of bone in your jaw. Um, what, 
And so I was like, well, I'm here to get these teeth taken care of because I'm going on vacation next week. And then it just literally looked me in the eye and goes, that's good because the best prescription I was going to give you was to go on a vacation because you need to learn to calm down and stress. And, not, and I said, mate, you don't know me. You just met me. Like, but I was like, he's so right. He's like, do you have some things to be stressful? And I'm like, just a few. <laughs> My husband's out of town. I'm getting ready to go to Florida with 80 college kids. I get really anxious on road trips. Like, I could have sat there and used this man as my therapist. I do believe he would have listened to me. He was very kind. But, um, but patience is that thing. It says, let your patience show itself perfectly in what you do, which will be what we're going to talk about today. A lot of it starts with emotion, but what it goes down into is how we handle it, what we do. Then you will be perfect and complete, and you will have everything you need. But if you need wisdom, you should ask God for it. He is generous to everyone and gives you wisdom without criticizing you. But when you ask God, and this is the part I really want us to focus on, you must believe in that doubt. Anyone who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown up and down by the wind. Such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time. They cannot decide about anything they do. They should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. If anything, I feel like in the Bible has a picture of what in emotional instability is, it's that, right? There's two parts of your brain going at the same time. There's the part that's like, this is what you should do, or this is what you're thinking, or this is what you're feeling. And then there's that other part of you that's like, this is, this is crazy, or this is irrational, or this is how you should, you know. I feel like at all times, there's always conflicting thoughts and feelings, especially when, when we have been, when we say that we have died to ourselves and we're a committed follower of God. There should always be that voice of God that says, handle it this way. Then there's that other side that says, but I don't feel like that. That is me all the time. I can't even tell you how many times I, like I said, I have like an island, it's just like this in my kitchen. How many times I get up in the morning and I have to put my hands on there and like, I'm not gonna do what I wanna do, but I, I need to be like this. This is how I need to handle it. And that internal struggle says, but that's not what you wanna do. That's not how you want to handle it. Um, but this, even according to this verse, I can't be a doubter who's thinking two things. That's a lot of our problem. Why aren't things getting better? Well, because I'm always of two minds. And it, and it can't work that way. So we're going to look at three things really quick of how I let emotional insecurity rob my dreams. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, so we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. It says, then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from the people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and they try any kind of tr trick to fool people into following the wrong path. No, speak the truth in love. We will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. So the first way that emotional instability can rob my dreams is it steals my focus. It keeps me immature, and according to this verse, it keeps me easily distracted and fooled. You know, I look at it in the, the, a way that I do not want to be described as an adult woman is immature and foolish. Those are two words that are just, those are just like trigger words to me. Like, if you were like, if I'm in an argument with my husband, he says, you're acting really immature, like a child. Whew, that would make me upset. You know, if someone ever calls me a fool, that is another thing that really upsets me. But unfortunately, because sometimes I let my emotions rule me, 
And one of the ways that we, a lot of us have bought into and why we let our emotions rule us is because we have let people trick us and fool us. Like I said, the world right now tells you this is just who you are. This is a character trait of you. If you're, if you're anxious all the time, you're just an anxious person. Well, I'm living proof to show you that you can struggle with anxiety. Like I said, um, Carrie took 80 of us to one restaurant yesterday. I walked in and let me tell you guys, I was, I was just like losing it. I, in, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, my anxiety level was through the roof. I was worried about if they were going to run out of food. I was worried about if the workers were going to be making enough money. For, every possible scenario went through my head. Like, are the people, are the low, one, at one point in time I said, what if this is someone's regular lunch place and they come and they eat here every single week, every single day, and then they come in and there's all these people in line and they don't get to eat their normal lunch. Like, that's my, pro, like, I got to worry about that. Like, like, there's some local here that's like, I never miss this place and now I can't eat. Like, but I was like, and I'm like, we're never going to get through the line and the workers are going to be upset with us. And so I'm just looking and I just, and when we first get there, I'm just like shooting daggers at my husband and I'm like, he's like, calm down. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I'm just going to calm down. I'm gonna let it go. I'm just gonna go sit down at the table and I'm just gonna be fine. And every everything was perfectly fine and the workers were really happy we came and all of my worries were for nothing. <laughs> but anywhere else in the world I am told that that's cool. Like I can act that way. I can I can I can be a control freak. I can, you know, a, what I wanted to do was I wanted to just leave. There was a big part of me that's like, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to go eat somewhere else. They don't have to see it, and then I'll, I'll be one less person here they have to worry about, and blah, 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 blah. Like, there were so many things that, that honestly were, were, of, were of a very childlike behavior. Um, so let's look at some things that are childlike behavior. And like I said, nobody likes to be called it, but let's look at it and see. Let's think of a kid right now, okay? Let's think, I have a little kid here. And they're just a normal kid. They're not like... You know, they're not like the barbarian child. They're not like the perfect meter. They're just a normal kid. What are some of the things that they do based off of their emotions? One thing is they're easily offended, right? Kids, you can like look at them the wrong way. And they'll be like, you know. Or one minute you're front. One minute, you, and this used to happen all the time. I'd babysit kids and we'd be besties. And then I'd see them at church and be high and they'd be like, no. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, um, they're easily offended. They're easily irritated, right? I mean, none of you in here went, ah, and got up and left, right? But the child had to, because they are easily irritated. Um, a lot of times they're unable to see reason. You know, you tell a kid like, no, you can't stick a fork in the outlet. And they'll, you know, you guys seen those videos of like reasons why toddler is crying. And it's like, I wouldn't let them eat the dog food or I, you know, whatever. They're not always able to see reason. Um, they have irrational responses to situations. So either like extreme anger or extreme sadness, but they don't necessarily fit the experience. You also see in the videos where like a kid, like a parent pretends like they hit the kid's head and they make a noise, but the kid never got hit. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And the kid starts screaming and crying like they were actually injured. Like they're, you're looking like, but you weren't actually hurt. But they sometimes have irrational responses to you know, to situations that don't fit the experience. Um, they change your mind frequently. You know what You know what I hate more than anything? It's trying to buy a Christmas present for a child more than two days out from their Christmas or birthday. Why? Because something that they loved and meant the world to them two months ago, a week ago, 
now they're like, I don't like that anymore. That's a shame, but I don't want to play with that. You know, or like their favorite food in the world one day is chicken nuggets, so then you give it for them the next time you see them, and they're like, I hate this. Why would you feed me this? This is disgusting. Um, and um, and they're and they're not content, right? Like, if you've ever bought a kid something, they're like, great, thanks. What's what's next? What else did you get me? Um, and overall, they have a very much of a self-focused mentality, right? They're children. They're, it's very difficult for them to see and understand that the world um, exists outside of themselves. However, I would venture to say that a vast majority of us fall into these react this, these emotions probably more often than we would like, right? I've been easily offended by something that no one intended to hurt my feelings or whatever. I just didn't like it. I have had conversations with full-grown adult women who were like, I, so-and-so didn't look at me when I walked into a room and they're like crying in a corner. And I'm like, they didn't even know you were there. Like it wasn't, they weren't trying to hurt you. They were just busy like doing something else. Um, you know, we um, often can be irrationally irritated by things. Um, unable to see reason. Uh, that, I feel like that is honestly something that is a, is a maturity thing that we have not grown out of. And a lot of it has to do with how we are unable sometimes to see God's big picture. We kick and scream and throw a fit. Why can't I have what I want right now? I'm so sad. I'm so depressed, blah, blah, blah. And God's like, could you just, you know, it's like a, when a kid's like, I really want this. And you're like, but there's something so much better over here. But they're like, but no, I really want, you know, the stick or whatever. And you're like, but there's, but like, we have a whole birthday party for you inside. We do that a lot too. God's like, no, I have something so much better for you. But you're like, but I want him or I want that or she has this or this happened and I'm, I'm upset by it, you know? So, um, and then, and like I said, and we can be very, very easily distracted. This verse says, you know, it goes back to the, like being swished aside. If you feel like a lot of times, like you are almost, uh, dizzy <laughs> by your own like thought process, then there's probably something in here to this that we need to realize, like, that we need to get back on the straight path. You know, he says, they make plans that try to trick kinds of trick and fool people into following the wrong path. Well, if there's a wrong path, then that means, you know, uh, um, on the opposite side, that there's a right path that God said, please, please stay on this. It will, it will help you lead to growth and maturity. So how do I get my dream back, back on track um, from this? Is I keep my focus on God, his promises, his purpose. This allows me to grow, mature, and not be fooled in the Satan and world's lies. A lot of times, if we take a step back and look at why we are so overly either emotional or we're so shut down emotionally, but we're just not having, we're not in a good, healthy, emotional place, it's probably because we are focusing on things that are not eternal. That's one thing that I have really started asking myself as I've gotten older is, is this something that is eternal? Will this last in the long run, at the end of the day? Will this affect another person? A lot of times, I'll be real with you guys, there's times where I want to rage or I want to act a certain way, but I know that someone watching me will be adversely affected by that, and I don't want to do that because 
I don't want to, you know, be the reason why someone, and I'm not saying I've done that perfectly. There's been times where I have done that and later I've looked back and been like, well, you're a dang fool. You know, like, what, what are you showing someone else? Nobody is going to want your relationship with God if all you do is rant and rave about how depressed, how anxiety-ridden you are all the time and they're not seeing any growth. Now, that's not to say don't be open and honest with who you are and what you struggle with. Number one fan of that. You should be real. But guys, if we're not making steps forward, if I came up here right now and I'm doing a marriage class and my marriage is in the toilet and we hate each other and I'm a mean wife who treats my husband like crap and he treats me like crap, how many of you guys are going to be like, yeah, I want that. I want that. But I see that kind of stuff even happen all the time too. Like come have a relationship with God. You can have this jacked up marriage like I do because I don't really do anything that God says. Well, we do the same thing with our emotional, you know, we laugh at that, right? Like, how many of you guys would go to, like, a dating class with, like, don't say it out loud, but think of the worst dating couple you know. Hate each other, fight all the time, just blah, blah, blah. If we were like, they're going to come up and give you guys advice and tell you how to do this. You guys would be, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to that. But, you know, those are the things that, that sometimes that we need to look at is, I, am I keeping my focus on God, his promises, his purpose? Am I growing and changing and maturing into this woman? Maybe a question you need to legit ask the people around you is, do I exhibit a lot of childlike, immature behavior? Do, do my emotions fall? I mean, maybe you can answer that for yourself, but if you struggle with that, ask somebody who truly knows you and truly loves you, hey, what are some areas that you see? Guys, I'm 42 years old and I can still act like a child. There, I can literally stomp my foot sometimes and cross my arms and be like, well, I don't really like it, and you know, whatever. There's a lot of different things. There's things I have cried about in the last month that at the end of the day, I'm like, that was really, that was, that was really, that was really dumb. Like, <laughs> you know, I used to cry over bad pictures. Now I'm like, it's a picture, who cares? Like, you know, bad hair days, whatever it might be. All right, the next, uh, the next way that our emotional instability uh, can kill our dreams is it keeps me living in a place of fear and anxiety. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Psalms 23-4 says, he gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Ladies, if you constantly are finding yourself in a place that is ruled by fear and anxiety, if you are, and I'm not saying if you occasionally struggle with it, like I said, I've been there. Sometimes it's irrational, like a restaurant. Sometimes it's deep. Sometimes it's like, what if I, what if I screw this all up? What if I don't do it, you know, what if this, what if that? There's deep, legit fears and anxiety that, that come into our life. I'm not saying that that's, you know, never going to happen. If you are living in a place where you are ruled by that, then you need to seriously look at this. He says, even if I walk through a very dark valley, like I said, it is super easy for us to, to make excuses, right? How many of you guys came from an unstable home? Okay, same. How many of you guys came, were raised by a very mentally unstable mother or father, but especially mother, who did not show you how to handle your emotions correctly? 
Same. <laughs> you know, how many of you guys are often bombarded by being told that this is like an identity, like being anxious or being this or that, right? I know it happens because I see it all the time. We all have an excuse in some way, shape, or form. We are all walking at some point in time in our life through a very dark valley. But he says in here, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to live in this place because God is with me. So sometimes we might need to reevaluate our relationship with God and say, like, am I really trusting God? And I know you're like, oh, what's, no. Guys, sometimes it's as simple as being like, I'm not going to give in to this fear. I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of it. Let me tell you, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Speaking in front of people. The more you do it, the easier it gets. When um, Adam was talking about how he was like a good student and he took, same, took F's, cried, like vomited. Now I'm like, cool, who do you want me to talk to? When do you want me to talk to him? Because the more that I stepped out in faith, the more God showed me, see, it wasn't that scary. It's not that bad. I am the one who changes things. I'm the one who uses this and that. When you're in relationships, stepping out, it's scary. There's anxiety there, 100%. But God's like, yeah, I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to do that. It's not always going to be 100%. I just need you to trust me, and I'm going to take care of you. So one of the ways I get my, or the way I get my dream back with not living in fear and anxiety is I have God's peace, his power, his love, and guys, not going to like it, self-control. We are told you don't have any control over fear and anxiety. Get in your Bible and read it. It doesn't say that. He says, how? How can you do this? I'm going to give you a new strength that's going to allow you to be this way. You look through the Bible over and over and over again. The Bible says, do not be afraid. So we'll pay attention when he says, do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. But when he says, don't be afraid, don't give in to anxiety, don't be filled with anxiety. And that's the one that we're like, okay, but he doesn't really mean that part, right? Like I was talking to somebody the other day, I said, one of the best things that I was ever, and a lesson that stuck with me forever was a lesson about pride and different things, you know, that are like those unseen like sins. And the lady said, None, nobody would ever come up and be like, I am an adulterer. Ha ha ha. And she was like, we would never do that. But all the time we're like, I'm so prideful. And we laugh about that sin or we blow it off or we act like it's not something that can equally devastate our lives. I, I know that you guys have seen it and I've seen it working in ministry for almost 25 years that living in a place of fear and anxiety can cripple your life, your relationships with other people, your future marriage. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and assume most of you wanna get married, and if you do, you wanna be a good wife. If you don't wanna get married, I'm assuming you don't wanna live in a cave and never have good relationships with other people. It is nearly, show me someone who lives in a constant place of fear and anxiety, who has really healthy relationships. I can tell you this, I've been a mom for a really long time, I have a lot of mom friends. Those who live in that place, tend to have very unstable children. Their children tend to be very emotionally, you know, uh, un uneasy. 
Now that's not to say that you can't work through those things and fight through those things and your kids won't see those things and be like, you know, and help you transform by it. But it's, it's one of those things that we have to give into God's peace, his power, his love, his self-control. I'm gonna go through some steps at the very end of practicality. So I know some of this stuff just seems very like, you know, general, but, um, but we're gonna do specific sentiment. And, okay. Um, the third thing that it keeps me from is it keeps me from self-examination and the change that leads to healing and growth. So Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, God, examine me and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any bad thing in me. Lead me on the road to everlasting life. I think one of the most difficult things in the world to do is when you are having an emotional breakdown is to step back and say, what is it about me that I may need to change? What, if I'm having like a, you know, very much like the world, my husband likes to like call it my spiraling moments. He'll be like, I can, t I can see it. You're having like a legitimate emotional reaction to something that hurts you. And that's okay. And he's grown in this. When we first got married, it was like, stop, don't cry. Why are you like this? Like through the 25 years, I have, we, have, we have learned to communicate better. So the other day actually happened. He looked at me and he said, hey, what happened in that meeting? That was kind of weird. And I bet you're feeling kind of off about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm literally questioning everything. And he was like, you're, you're a good leader. You've, you've done this and this. I know that that, I can see it, that probably did not make you feel that way. And I'm like, yeah, sure didn't. Like, and I'm just sitting in the car and the tears are welling up. And he was like, but I need you to do this for me. I need you to not spiral. You, you can't, it can't. And he, he'll call me a spiraler or a snowballer. He's like, because then you'll have like a little snowball and it'll be very easy to take care of. But then I like to put that down and then I like to push it and be like, yeah, you know what else? Oh, and this. Oh, this is also awful. This is also really bad. So I take something that maybe was a legitimate, very small, easy emotion or an easy problem or something that I should have addressed and it snowballs or I spiral into a place of, of emotional instability. And what that does is it keeps me from looking at myself and saying, God, examine me. Know my heart. Something legit happens, I can say, God, what about me needs to change? Maybe you got your feelings hurt. Take a step back. Did that person say something true and honest to me that I need to change? And I'm being irrationally angry or emotional or sad or it's the end of the world and they were really like, hey, you should try this. And they're like, what? You think I'm the worst person ever? Like, I can't do anything right. If you're a perfectionist, you know what I'm talking about. I'm a perfectionist. You know who perfectionists hate talking to? Other type A perfectionists, because you're like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I'm like, but then if you turn around, like, you do this. I'm like, I guess I can't do anything right. You know, and then there's those people that are on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're like, you know, very much so always living in a victim state mentality. If you want to be somebody who never has healthy relationships, live in a victim state mentality. Nothing is ever your fault. A relationship went bad, something there was a conflict there, not my fault. Couldn't be me. They are all, everybody's attacking me. Nobody likes me. When in reality, there might be a conflict that I can take a step back and be like, okay, God, examine me. What do I need to work on? Maybe it wasn't even as big of a conflict as you thought. Maybe they made a tiny suggestion. You know, the biblical standard for friendship. They held you accountable. And, and it hurt your feelings. 
Because I know I'm not perfect and I know I mess up, but oh my gosh, it's going to really bother me if you also <laughs> can acknowledge that I'm not perfect and I mess up. Guys, I can do this with stuff that's not even like that. So um, I clean houses and every once in a while I have somebody be like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Usually I'm like, yes, thank God, it's more free time. But then there's that little part inside of my head that was like, why don't they like you? What'd you do wrong? You should text them and be like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And sometimes it's simply like someone's like, all our children grew up and they moved out of the house and we don't need someone to clean anymore. It stays clean. You know, most of the time it's something like that where they're like, eh, we just, you know, money's tight or whatever. I used to like not be able to sleep at night if I felt in any way, shape or form rejected. It literally happened the other day. A lady was like, hey, you know what? Empty nest now. I'm a really, I, and she was one of the houses that I was like, I hate cleaning because it's clean and it feels weird and you can't tell that I did anything and I feel like I'm robbing the people. So when she sent me the message, you're like, super sweet. Hey, we appreciate you. You've been great. My first gut reaction was, find out what you did wrong. Find out why she doesn't like you. Anymore. Nothing in what she said said she didn't like me. Some of you guys have sat down and had conversations with people in this room that are like, I love you, I care about you, but I see this in your life and it needs to change. They don't like me, they hate me, they don't think I can do this and that, and then we spiral, right? Because we're unable sometimes when we're not being emotionally stable to look at a proper self-reflection. And when we don't do that, then it doesn't lead to the growth and the change that, and, and honestly, healing that a lot of us need. You know, a lot of us were brought to a relationship with God because we knew we were jacked up. We knew there was a lot of crap from our past that needed healed. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, you need to learn to do this better to be a better wife, why, why does it have to be end of the world? I didn't grow up watching a good wife and a mom, so I don't know what I'm doing. So if somebody cares about me enough to come and speak truth into my life, I need to see them as someone who's on my team trying to help me be healthy and help me be better. But when we are ruled by our emotions, it is very difficult to see that. It is very easy, easy to either go into victim mentality, one direction or the other. One, like, you're wrong, you don't know me, blah, blah, blah. Or everything about everything is awful and wrong and bad. <laughs> I will say, now, men have changed a little bit over the years. They have become a little bit more like this. But for the most part, that's, I, I admire that about guys. You can be like, hey, blah, 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 and they're like, okay, cool. And they're done, <laughs> you know? Most girls are like, can you expand more? Like, and then they're like, well, I didn't want to come and talk. I didn't, wasn't sure if you wanted me to sit by you anymore. And I'm like, why, why would I not? Because I had to challenge you about something, you know? But it's very easy for Satan to get in our head and to lie to us. And he knows one of the greatest ways that he can get us distracted from doing what we need to do is to get us playing scenarios in our head and to keep us from that self-examination. Um, one of my favorite quotes from, I don't even know who said it, I don't know where I heard it at, but is, I don't, have, I don't have control over what happens to me or around me, but I do have control over how I react to it. And that is probably one of the best things I've ever heard because it is very, very easy for us to get involved in the what is all happening around me and realizing I can't control that. Um, so we're gonna look at a little case study real quick, like I said, and then we're gonna go into some of the practical stuff. 
So John 5, 5 through 8, it says, A man was lying there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw the man, he knew he had been sick for a long time. Jesus asked him, Do you want to be well? The sick man answered, Sir, there is no one to help me get into the pool when the waters start moving. When I am coming to the water, someone else always gets in before me. Then Jesus said, Pick up, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And he did. So here's like a very short synopsis. Man was sick for many years. Jesus asked, Do you want to get well? Be well? The man said, here's my excuse for why I can't. Jesus said, well, here's the answer to the problem. Do it. The man did it. The man was healed. Okay, this is how it works for us sometimes. We are emotionally unwell for many years. This is one thing I want to clarify. None of us woke up one day and were like, whoa, my emotions are out of control. We've been learning this crap from birth, okay? The one thing I will always say is, if you don't think babies are manipulative, you are dead wrong. We learn to manipulate at a very young age. You can have a baby that's like, ah, and then you'll pick them up and they'll look over the mom's shoulder and they'll look at you and like wink, like, I knew she'd do that. And I promise you that. Come to me. I am a toddler baby preschool whisperer. I always say that, like, I got him because I'm like, I see you. I know a game you're playing. Everybody else thinks you're in. I know you're not. Um, it has taken us a long time to get to this point. So guess what? It's not going to go away overnight. I always say that. I'm like, okay, now that I've been a Christian for longer than I wasn't, now that I've been here in this different family longer than I've been in the family that, that I learned from, I should be way past it. But in the beginning, I was undoing many, many, many years of learning how to do things the wrong way. So a lot of times we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace. Like, I messed up, but it's not over. I got to keep going. So Jesus asks us, do you want to be well? Do you, want to, do you not want to be emotionally unstable? We tend to give them our excuses. Then Jesus says, here's how, here's how to counteract that. Then we tend to say, yeah, no, that won't work. This is just how I am, or you don't know me, or this is what happened to me. So we continue to do, keep doing the same exact thing the same way we always have. Well, we don't get better. We usually get worse. We usually spiral or whatever. Or there can be other sides where we listen to God's word, we apply the hard work of his truths, and we get better. Not only do we get better, but our relationships tend to get healthier, our bodies tend to get healthier, and our examples to others get healthier. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God is literally everybody out there telling you that you have no control. That self-control is not an antidote, that God can't do this, that you've got to have, you know, this special cocktail of this, and you've got to have this and that. Um, somebody the other day was like, I should go to therapy, but I'm not. Um, but I guess I can have Jesus. And I was like, I'm not trying to be whatever. Therapy can be great. I went and had, like, counseling sessions before. But you know what the greatest thing that helped me change from what the emotional wreck mess was that I was now? Just regular old Joes being like, eh, it's not what God's word says. And me being like... Yeah, you're right. I'm going to try harder not to do that. And putting God's principles into my life. That has helped me greater than anything else. Now, I'm a huge proponent of vitamins. Like, yeah, you take your vitamins. Yeah. I, you know, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper in a minute. But, um, <laughs> but the Bible says that I need to run every single thought, feeling, and action through the filter that is God's word. So basically, what comes into my head, I need to step back and say, is this what, what does God's word say about these thoughts? Guys, if you don't think the Bible doesn't talk about your thoughts, do a quick search on thoughts and then read some of the verses. Your feelings and then your actions. 
So like I said, a thought can pop into your head and it can be crazy, right? Right, you guys have some thoughts that are like, that, that was crazy. Like, you should murder your husband in his sleep because he did not switch up the laundry. <laughs> like, and there's times where I'm like, whoo, that was an extreme, <laughs> that was an extreme reaction. And then the next one's like, no, you should not talk to him for the rest of the day. That's not as extreme, but it's whatever. And then there's that third side that's like, or you could be a mature adult and be like, hey, so this is how I feel when you don't do this, and this is how things need to change and grow. Again, 25 years of marriage, guys, still working on that. <laughs> um, but here are three things that you can do to keep your emotions from crushing your dreams. The first one is, I actually know what God's word says. So for a lot of us, and this is one thing I've found from doing, like I said, campus ministry forever, is we don't know what God's word has to say. When people say it's not your fault, you can't control your emotions, you will always, if you're anxious or you live in fear, you'll always be this way. It's because you don't know what God's word has to say or they don't know what God's word has to say. Get in your Bibles and look and see what God's word has to say about your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Read through Psalms. <laughs> Read through, you know, like I, Courtney did a fabulous job on bitterness with Job and, and Joseph. Look in there and see what those things are. Um, one thing I say is like tears are okay. Jesus cried. I'm not saying like, oh, you can't ever cry. You can't ever be sad. No, go and look and see what the Bible has to say. There were very appropriate times where sadness was definitely needed or where anger, like RJ said, there were times where Jesus was angry. You know, there were appropriate times and look at the way that Jesus handled those things. Um, the second thing is, is I have to actually obey it. Now, this is the hard part. I can sit there all day long and have conversations with some of the same people over and over and over again about this is what God's word says and this is what you should do. And then they turn around and they just keep doing the same old, same old, and they never put them into practice. Then they come back. I'm still a depressed mess. Yeah, that's how that works when you don't put it into practice. It's what you have to do. Um, Three, um, I allow godly, wise people to be my voice of godly reason to help bring me back to stable. There is nothing wrong with having a good godly friend come and be like, what the heck you doing? Okay, we drove a long time here through the night. At one point in time, my husband starts to just zone out and he's just driving straight off, straight off the highway, headed straight for a ditch. And I'm like, what you doing? What you, what you doing? What you doing? And you know, at first I kind of started off with, eh, and then I was like, hey, hey, grab the, you know, if, if you gotta grab the wheel, say he had passed out. I'm not just gonna be like, man, this sucks. <laughs> my niece Hattie was driving with me one time and I have this thing where my hands will clench up like this and they'll just do it out of nowhere and we were coming back from the gym and sometimes it does that. So I was driving her and one hand went like this and I was like, all right, Hattie, if the other hand does it, calmly and quietly, she just put your hand on the wheel and keep us on the road until my hands either relax or we can pull over. And she's like, what, say one? I was like, stay calm and just gently grab, don't yank it, just put your hand on the wheel. And then five seconds later, the other hand went up like this. And I was like, this is where you're gonna do it, calmly and gently. But what had it been like, not my problem. You know what I mean? We would have, <laughs> off highway and I'm Winsville. But for some reason, you know, we think like, I got, you know, no. You need a friend sometimes to be like, hey, what are you doing, man? You're zoning out. You're going off the road. You're going off the rails. I have to have it happen all the time. Like I said, most of the time it's my husband because he gets to see that side of me. You know, whatever. But um, allowing those people, and if you go, like, I know Kennedy said this in her lesson the other day. If you don't have godly, wise people, if the people in your life are letting you go off the rails, if they're not caring to say that, they ain't your friends. 
because your friends are going to want to help you. Um, some real practical things. When you start to feel like you are going off the emotional rails, I want you to ask yourself this question and don't laugh. Am I tired or hungry? You know when I found that I am the most like everything is? And I'll look up and um, it's when I was up really, really late, when I didn't get a lot of sleep, when I'm very hungry. Are you dehydrated? I'm not being funny. If you're not drinking water and you're not like, and you're maybe you're just very dehydrated, your emotions are gonna be kind of skewed. <laughs> am I on my period? <laughs> is my period maybe gonna come up? Like, you know, you start to kind of be like, I'll look at sometimes and be like, I'm 42, why am I still acne prone? And then the next morning I wake up and I'm like, there she is. Okay, well yesterday was the end of the world that I was 42 is it. Today it's, ah, there it is. <laughs> um, is it close to an important date that means something to you? Maybe it's a date of something, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I didn't realize it until then, but when we get in this time of year, I get really, I get more emotionally erratic. I know for me, like Father's Day is one of those days that I had to be like at the first half of the day, I'm gonna celebrate my father-in-law and my husband for being really good. But I know at the end of that day, I'm gonna go into the bathtub. I'm gonna put the bath on. I'm not gonna even, because it's not something that I want to ruin him. And I'm gonna cry and I'm gonna grieve my own loss. And I, it took me a lot of years, guys, before I didn't like just, you know, Father's Day, you know, and things like that. And, um, but is it, you know, maybe there's something important to you. Um, if you're finding yourself getting really upset over maybe someone joking with you, would you equally tease someone for something this minute, but then be upset if someone teased you back? <laughs> um, so this is one thing I have realized with your generation. You're over-caffeinated, you're over-sugared, you're over-medicated a lot. Some of you are overworked or you're underworked, you're, you're in bed too much, you can be, you can oversleep. It can lead to depression, you know, not help with depression. You're overthinking, but then you're also on the other side. You guys are underwatered. Drink your water. <laughs> I am not joking, drink your dang water. I know it's also a personality trait that I live off of iced coffee. Drink some freaking water. Put down your energy drink. You're like, I don't understand why I'm just so upset all the time, like hulking out. Well, I just saw you drink 97 monsters, and I haven't seen a drop of water in your body in five years. Drink some dang water. <laughs> Eat some regular food. You guys, I know you don't whatever, and we don't, like I said, we don't have time to get into this, but when your blood sugar is like this, you also have a very difficult time. And I believe it's even biblical when he talks about fasting at this time and doing this and, you know, in the way they ate and the way God fed them and this and that. Like some of you guys, eat some dang protein and, you know, and take care of yourselves. Um, maybe you need to, maybe you're under-rested. Get some sleep. That's, guys, for me, when I find myself being like, <sighs> I've now learned, Hannah, go to bed. You're not going to, this tomorrow, this won't exist tomorrow. You know who's gonna hate you and hope you die tomorrow morning? A couple people, but not all 97 that you listed tonight. Um, and the biggest one is we, we're underprayed. First thing first, the second you start to feel this, go to God. God, help me. Reveal to me the truth. Help me get control of my emotions. This is how I wanna react. God, show me how I should react. 
God put somebody in my life. Like I said, God, just give me patience right now. Again, don't sweep it under the rug. I'm not saying that. Maybe some of you guys need to go and deal with some of this stuff that is causing anxiety, that is causing issues. But go and follow God's word on how to do it the right way. Okay, so we're going to end with my, I am a list person. I am a practical person. And this is something I have been doing for years with some of the girls that I have worked with. And I really wanted a whiteboard, but I don't have one. So <laughs> I want you to pretend like there are three columns, okay? I'm also a column person. Excel, that's great. Okay, the first column, I want you to ta take that thought or that feeling, and I want you to look at and say, is this true, but it's something I can control? Okay, so let's use, uh, somebody throw out an example of like a thought or a feeling that maybe you struggle with sometimes. I feel fat. I feel fat. That's a great one. <laughs> okay, so there are times where I will, right now, <laughs> my sister's like, you, you really, you really laid on thick, the oversized sweatshirt. And I'm like, that's all that fits me right now. Um, okay, is this true? The vast majority of the time, it's more of like something set it off. But maybe there is truth to that, and you say, well, you know what, I am kind of lazy. I don't eat properly, I don't. Is there something, what are some steps I can do to change this? So, I need to maybe find somebody who can help me. I need to start, you know, like I said, not living off of a diet of Red Bulls and blah, blah, blah. And you put that, those steps in the category. The second category is, is this true, but it's out of my control? Maybe it's one of those things where like, you do just really struggle with like getting your security from your body. Maybe a super bad body dysmorphia. Or maybe it's like, yeah, it's something that, you know, comes in and out, but, it's, but this really isn't, isn't the root problem. Put that in that category. I need to acknowledge this feeling, maybe figure out the root of where it's coming from, and then I need to give it to God and I need to pray about it. And what can I learn from it, okay? And then the third column, which is, which is one that honestly a lot of stuff fits into, is this just a straight up lie from God, from, from Satan and the world. You know what thought fits in that category a lot is nobody likes me. I don't have any real friends. Everybody think, mine is everybody finds me so annoying. Guys, there are people who do find me annoying. That is true. I can be annoying. But you know what? There's some people who really like my personality type. You know, there are some people that genuinely do care. So, you know, it may be one of those things where I'm like, and those things tend to be extremes. So sometimes you need to put your extremes in there. I'll never ever find, I'm not worthy of love. I'll never ever find anybody who, who loves me. You know, again, now, maybe you need to put in the first column, like, I really want to find someone to date. Well, maybe it is true that not a lot of people are knocking down your doors. Okay, in the first column, but there's some things I can control. I'm mean to any guy that walks in my direction. I turn down literally everyone who asks me out on a date. I look like I crawl out of the swamp nine days out of ten. You know, and maybe there are some things. Maybe you have to be somebody who's like, hey, I didn't have a mom who taught me how to dress well how to do my hair, how to do any of that stuff. So maybe you just have to like invest in some things. Maybe the thing is, is like a lot of people don't like me. Well, maybe, maybe you are very, maybe you are a porcupine. Maybe when people do try to get close to you, they get hurt a lot because you're so abrasive. So maybe there's some things that you can do to change that. So like I said, um, another thing that's really good to do with that list 
is to go to somebody who will be really brutally honest but very loving. Now, loving has to be in there. Do not go to someone who's just going to be, that happens sometimes. I'll hear somebody be like, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, no, you don't get to answer that question. I will answer that question. Um, go to someone who does love you and cares about you, who will help, you know, point some of those things. If you guys leave this class and you don't have somebody that you can go to and be like, hey, what are some of the things, some areas in my life? You know, go find somebody who's maybe really overcome that. Maybe, like I said, if you're somebody who's just very fearful, go to somebody who really seems to really be bold and, you know, be like, so is this, what do you do? What are some things you do? You know, this and that. So, um, like I said, way too much stuff to get into in one class. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to pray and then we'll be done. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to have this class. Like I said, hard discussion, but really good discussion, God. I just pray that everybody's heart in here just knows that, um, I deeply do want for them to just get to experience a life that is so much more um, more stable and under control, God, and that you give us so many um, so many things in your word to teach us how to be this way, God. And I'm just grateful for sending Jesus, who was such a good example of how to just be an emotionally present human, but also someone who just always lived under self-control and purpose. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, if you haven't read the book Unglued by Lisa Turkers, that was like a life-changing book for me when I came to emotion. So, highly recommend it.